She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. It wasn't just a moment. It wasn't like, oh, these are my core values. This job doesn't align. See ya. I'm out. I'm going to hike. You know, it's funny, like the first time we talked, I remember you you asked me like, what is your vision for your for yourself and your business? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't look past today. Like it's like and like almost to a fault. I'm like, yeah, I got to think about this, don't I? How many animals did I see? How many bears, rattlesnakes, wild ponies, all the fun things for kids. Do you also do, do um, the accents? Are you able to do the different accents of all the, the states that you went through? No, that is a really good idea, though. I am going to work on that. <laughs> Welcome to a brand new episode of Farrell Podcast. Welcome. Good to have you here. It is good to have you here. Today we have a special episode with our good friend Ryan Benz. Yes. Ryan is a mindfulness educator, a life coach, yoga teacher, inspirational speaker, and Appalachian Trail through hiker. And just he's a, also an awesome person. Yeah, just kind of an impressive human being, I think. Yes. And uh, That is mainly why we invited him <laughs> on the show. We like the titles. We prefer the fact that he's yeah, awesome. That he's just a nice guy. <laughs> I think that's the only real introduction you need. Nice, interesting guy. Yes. So that's who we're talking to today. <laughs> Ryan's got a great story. And I, in a lot of ways, I see a lot of my own story in it. Uh, Ryan had the life he thought he wanted. And then through a kind of triggering event, a divorce realized that he was kind of living a false life. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he went on a journey, which took him over 2,000 miles on the Appalachian Trails, a through hiker. And now he teaches, or well, he teaches mindfulness. Mm -hmm. He's also a coach. He's also studying yoga. And uh, he's leading assemblies and just doing some really impressive stuff and definitely on his path. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we want to explore that story and some of the things that have uh, kind of led him to where he's at now. Yeah, as you know, we're all about people on their path and we just want to give them a space to talk. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, everyone. Hello, whenever that is for you. Hello. We're happy to have you. We're happy to have you and we're also happy to have our friend Ryan on the podcast today. Hey, Ryan. Hey guys! Oh man, how's it going? I'm so excited to be here. It's always nice when we actually say hello, and then someone responds like, "Wow, technology! We're alone Mm. in our bedroom, and yet he's here." (laughs) (laughs) I am here. Yeah. So um, before we go into it, we thought we'd give a little background on who Ryan is. So um, I'm going to quote you from your story page, just because like that seemed like the best option. So you you say that you are a mindfulness educator, a life coach, a yoga teacher, an inspirational speaker, and an Appalachian trail through hiker. That's right. And uh, maybe to get some context about how we met, which was, we actually met on Instagram 
through our company Robot Retreats. Yeah, you made a comment there, and uh, I, I went. I ended up going to your page, and you had a pretty amazing story uh, that we definitely like to dig into a little bit today. But what really blew me away was how similar it was in a lot of ways to my own. You you kind of you had a, a waking up moment. You you ended up hiking the Appalachian Trail, all two thousand plus miles of it. You got into mindfulness. And I couldn't help but notice even on the site that like a lot of our, a lot of your, the way you worded things was similar. You use things like the path and I could see that you probably had read Joseph Campbell and it's like, <laughs> oh man, I need to, we need to talk to this guy. This guy is interesting. I, I don't see a lot of people, I don't know, going that, that quite that route. And so it was really interesting. So I, I'm definitely hoping we can get into particularly, uh, how mindfulness plays into your story and, and how the wilderness has affected your journey as well. Sure, yeah. But I think maybe a good place to start is uh, maybe more where the story begins. And maybe you can give us a snapshot of, of kind of where you're coming from, maybe some context about uh, how you end up being. Uh, all the things we mentioned. All those amazing things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's funny, right? It's just like this laundry list of like, I'm this, I'm that. I wear a bunch of different hats. And um, yeah, no, I mean, the very last one, the Appalachian Trail through Hiker, that's the one that that feels very, very special to me. And that was sort of my, that was sort of that that moment in my life where I finally was able to bring some clarity to to what I was doing, my my life and and where I was going, really. I, I sort of feel like um, you know, that trail is it is over two thousand miles, two thousand one hundred eighty nine point eight to be exact wow. when when I hiked it in two thousand seventeen. And I often feel like I'm still hiking the trail. Like I feel like, you know, I got to the end of that, but the journey um it hasn't it hasn't come anywhere near the end, that's for sure. Yeah. Now I think when we're at a crossroads in our life, uh, hiking something like that, there's such a metaphor in in following a path through the wilderness, right? Like it it teaches you so much about what you're also doing in your life. I just find it so magical. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, I think the best part about it is that you finally you're sort of forced into this place where you just you you find some stillness right and you start to just observe everything around you mm. and start to realize that the um there's so much more that this world and this life has to offer than the life that i knew prior to hiking that trail and that was a life that was just completely stuck on autopilot and mm. just kind of going through these motions and never really thinking about um my next move just just kind of doing it mm. right you know, I, I took I took all of those steps that are um, essentially that that the the path to success, right? That what society tells us is what you want in your life, what you want to accomplish that will make you ultimately happy and successful. Mm. You know, I got the college degree and I landed a my career job right when I got out of college, and I met what I, who I thought was the woman of my dreams and we got married. And in that process, I was, I was getting promotion after promotion and pay increase after pay increase. And, um, we bought this beautiful, beautiful house. And, um, it was, it was kind of crazy because I, I had all of these things and what I didn't have was any sense of happiness or fulfillment. Mm. Right. How, and, how, I wonder how the, 
because I've had a similar experience. And I think I'd, I'd like to hear you maybe say a little bit about how do you realize that you're not happy? Because I think mm. for a lot of us, it, we're stuck on autopilot and we don't We don't even have anything to compare it against. I mean, I'm only now realizing some feelings that I'm like, wow, what I thought was happiness before was like just merely feeling slightly okay that day, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I'm just wondering, how do you realize that something's off? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, at least for me, unfortunately, uh, there had to be a trigger. And that was mm. that was my ex-wife and I making the decision to separate and get divorced. Mm. Um, that was sort of the, the moment when I sort of took a step back and I took a good hard look in the mirror and thought, like, I need to I need to do something because, you know, I, I think that the position I was in, the state that I was in, just always feeling unhappy, really depressed. I felt like I was in this dark place um, that contributed in such a great way to us going our separate ways. You know, and I, I sort of, I still to this day sort of put that on myself. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I waited for the trigger, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of people do. Like sometimes it's just that something has to happen that causes you to take that step back. But I like, you know, when I work with my clients now in coaching, I, I like to talk about how let's not wait for that trigger, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, because there really is, there's so much to, to live for and to look forward to and really I, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think I can definitely relate with the trigger because there yeah. was definitely a trigger for me. I was diagnosed with a uh, autoimmune disease. I also ended a, a, a business partnership and at around the same time, a romantic relationship. And I'm wondering, because for me, it felt like now on the other side of that, like six years beyond that, I can, I, you know, I was just talking to my doctor the other day and just saying like, look, I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. I'm mm. 32 and I felt better than I ever felt in my twenties. Yeah. And, and I realized that it was like a slow decline, right? Like it was, it was kind of, you know, the metaphor of like frogs in a frogs in a pot, mm. you know, and the, the mm. water gets turned up and it gets a little hotter and you never realize you're cooking. Yeah. And I felt like that's what was happening in my life. And I'm curious for how do you how do you step out of that without a trigger? In my opinion, like knowing what I know now um, and discovering how powerful um, meditation and mindfulness is, mm. my, my response to that is take a step back and slow down. Mm. Take your foot off the gas for just a moment. Give yourself that space, a little bit of space to finally do some thinking, right? And like turn your awareness inwards and and find some some of the answers that actually are within yourself. You're just not able to find them when you're moving, you know, at the speed of light. <laughs> mm. And I think there's something interesting about that suggestion because I totally agree. Uh, but I suspect a lot of times, at least the unconscious responses, it's like, For example, you had a house, you had you had a marriage you thought was going to be the going to be it. Uh, I think in your words, you're you had a job, you were selling drugs, right? Like as a pharmaceutical yeah, yeah. sales rep, <laughs> that's the way you, you put it. Which that's I, right. Um, and and uh, if you're so entrenched in that life, right, and you've invested a lot to get there, right, a college education, you got a mortgage now, all, all these yeah. things, right? You made the commitment. 
It's so terrifying to step back and let a voice come in and say, mm, maybe you're going the wrong way. Like, mm. yeah. that's, that's, that's really scary, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. But, um, you know, in that moment, I, you know, I, I think about what happened for me and it was just this question of like, do, do you want to spend the rest of your life this way or do you want to just take control of it and live a life that is just true to, to you, to me? to who I am, Mm. Um, you know, because when I, when I went through that process of discovering meditation and mindfulness and slowing down probably for the first time in my entire life, to be honest, I mean, since I was maybe a kid, but I was, I I was always going as a kid too. So (laughs) (laughs) most kids do, right? Yeah. Um, It felt like the first time in my entire life that I, I actively chose to slow down. Um, and through that process, turning my my attention inwards, like I started to realize what my true values are as a human being. And that was just a different way of looking at myself and my life, something that I had never even thought about before, you know, because mostly because we're never taught to do that, right? We're never told to, hey, like, think about what your values are, what's most important in your life. And not only that, but align your life to those values. Yeah, I think this is like such a fascinating thing for me, because I I remember not really knowing what I wanted to do after high school. And I know now, I didn't know at the time, but I know now that it's pretty common for in a lot of like European countries to take a gap year in between and like go travel and maybe like your parents help you fund it. But then you also you also work on the way to fund your travels and that Mm -hmm. you get to know who you are and you get to have a breather before you keep going. And I just remember that that was absolutely not an option for me. That was like the devil. I I kept hearing my parents telling me like, if you stop for one year, you're never going to get back on the train. And now I'm like, yeah, Uh, maybe I wasn't meant to get back on the train. You know, maybe I was meant to do something different. And it's funny because I ended up being forced into that slowing down process that you talk about that is like, as you said, terrifying. And I think what you said that really touched me is, you get to a point where slowing down and looking inside is terrifying, but the alternative and the keeping, keep going is even more terrifying. And so it's like, you're stuck in between two very scary places, but at least there's one where, oh, maybe you have a shot at living your life that's aligned with your values. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I I know it sounds cliche, but like we we're we really have one life to live. Right. I mean, it's so. So, yeah. So you can you can choose to stay there and feel stuck and unhappy and just stay the course. Right. Because that's it's what you know. And yeah, sure. There's a little bit of comfort in that. But what I often say is, you know, we we hear a lot about the comfort zone and stepping out of the comfort zone. But if you are that unhappy and unfulfilled and just generally dissatisfied in that comfort zone, how comfortable is it really? Mm. Right? Because we all want to be happy. We all just want to be happy. Yeah. Right. In this life, like it's a universal desire. Like, I don't think you really will ever meet somebody that says they don't want to be happy. Right. So if you if you aren't happy, then how really like it and and you're referring to that place that you're in as a comfort zone. I I would argue that it, it's not that comfortable. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think there's, a, I, you know, you're talking about like the train, right? There, there's this, we get on this track, right? And we're yeah. on it from from really young age. And there's the fear of getting off that track and then being left behind or not knowing where you're at. Mm. And there's also, I think, just this uh, rationality that's like really kind of soaked into a lot of us, especially uh, like from school and, and from a lot of it, you know, like when I went to college, it wasn't about getting an education. It's about getting a job. Mm. That's really yeah. what it was about. Like the education was secondary and like whatever anyone said, uh, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that I need to get a job out of this. And or at least that's how I felt. And so I think there's this like this rational thinking that comes into it too, where <laughs> you try to like, <laughs> you try, you're, you're kind of stuck in your own logic, right? Because giving space and doing some of the things that I know you've done, Julie Roxanne, and I've done, and you've done, Ryan, but like going going on the uh, the Appalachian, these aren't particular, like in one way, they're not particularly logical or rational. Like you can't see on the other side of that. <laughs> not the same way you can count like, okay, well, if I just keep paying the mortgage, the house will appreciate. And then we're going to, you know, it's yeah. like, it's a different way of thinking. And I'm not sure we're that well prepared for it. Yeah, I think we're not, we're actually not just, we're just not taught that it's also okay to take a step out, outside of the track, you know, like step sideways. It's like you have yeah. to keep stepping forward. And yeah. and if you step sideways and God knows what's going to happen, you might end up in a ditch or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. there, it's the fear. Yeah. And I think it's, it's inter- we're, we're kind of on that like metaphor of walking now. And I really would love to hear <laughs> how you go from that point in your story of like, okay, trigger, realize, finding mindfulness and, and realizing that like you want to align with your values. Maybe talk a little bit more about that and, and yeah. kind of take us through how you end up deciding to walk 2000 plus miles. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I mean, through that process of of realizing my values, I, I think one of the, um, you know, that that process um, affects people in all different ways. It for me in particular, it had it had an enormous impact because the conclusion that I came to is that the job that I was working for the last ten years completely misaligned with mm. what my values are as a person. Um, so when I came to that realization, it was, it was sort of this really easy decision. I use the word easy loosely because none of this was easy, (laughs) but, um, it wasn't that difficult of a decision for me to make to say, you know, I'm putting myself on this path of living a life that is really true to me. And my job doesn't align with that. Um, despite ten, spending 10 years working in it and working my way up to, I was a vice president ad executive in the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, you know, on the surface, it's it, that is a successful job, right? Yeah. That is what people would refer to as a successful job, the, the title and the pay, all of it. Mm. But because there was such a misalignment there, I didn't care what the, what the money looked like. I didn't care what my title was. I... I took it very seriously that I wanted to change my life so that I was living the life that I know I wanted to be living. Mm. Was this a wake up moment? Like, I, I'm wondering as you go these 10 years as this uh, VP of, of, in pharmaceutical sales, like, was there a gnawing feeling or was it more of like, okay, the divorce happened and like you had a reality check and like right there you woke up maybe over a course of some time, maybe not 
one day, but yeah. uh, it was more of a wake up where you're like, okay, this is uh, what have I, I've been I've been sleeping. Uh, how did it feel for you? Uh, no, so I, I would say that over the course of the ten years, um, you know it like any other job, it had its ups and downs. Like I had my good days where I was, I was into it, but I had some really bad days where I was like, like, I have no passion for this. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't honestly say that in those 10 years, I ever really felt like I had a deep passion and desire to be doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the whole process of going through the divorce and, you know, selling the house that we had, that gave me really the opportunity to make this really critical decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's it wasn't just a moment. It wasn't like, oh, these are my core values. This job doesn't align. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. I'm out. I'm going to hike. Um, no, it's like everything else in life. It's it's a process, you know, yeah. and and. And yeah, like that is something that was hanging over my head for a long, long time. And I think that, you know, when all of all of these things and changes started happening, it was just realizing that, you know, I think a lot of my dissatisfaction and my unhappiness was because of the job I was working. I mean, let's face it, we spend 90% of our waking hours at our jobs, right? That's crazy. Had mindfulness entered the picture at this point? So mindfulness entered the picture. Um, yes, it was pretty much when my ex-wife and I um, mm-hmm. made the decision to get divorced. Um, that was when I got my hands on a book called Buddhist Boot Camp by Timber Hawkeye, very close friend of mine now and and sort of my mentor. I look up to him and that was the first book that I read. I read it cover to cover, laying in my hammock one day and... It sort of just introduced me to this. I mean, at that point, I was like, slow down, like sit, close my eyes, breathe. What what in the world are you talking about? No way. Like, I mean, I I spent four of those 10 years I worked in Manhattan. Like, I remember getting off. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, getting off the train and practically sprinting to the office just trying to keep up with the crowd of people around me. Um, yeah, I was, I was constantly on the go, you know? So Mm -hmm. this idea of just sit and breathe, right? That was like, that was like completely foreign to me, but that was the book that sort of introduced me into that world. And I, and I took it very seriously. I started to put it into practice. I didn't just read the pages. I was, I was taking what, what was really resonating with me and I was putting it into practice. And then the next book came and then the next book and yeah. And, and that, that is sort of, you know, reading those books and putting it into practice in my life that was the process. Mm-hmm. And it was from that moment when I discovered it to when I left my job, there was a, it was an entire year. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I sympathize with this, this, the word you're using process. And I think it's one that's not very well appreciated. Maybe mindfulness and meditation was such a big part of my unraveling mm-hmm. as well, but I have some appreciation for it as a process. I, I know there's, there's a lot of people saying out there like, okay, just take the leap. Like, it's just like this decision of the will, you know, it's like, okay, one day you just take stock and you're like, 
all right, I'm going to make the decision and I'm jumping. And like, it's just like this black and white decision or something. It sounds really glorious. It's really dramatic, right? And it's a nice story. But for me, I think it was something, it sounds like it was a similar experience to you is I I started going to a Zendo uh, around the same time that a lot of these other things were happening in my life. And it was just a process. It was showing up every day, sitting down and being with myself. And it was a slow realization of things. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think about it as like the foundation. I it was like a realization that the foundation was rotten mm. and that yeah. I couldn't build on it. I actually had to destroy everything first. And so it like went back down to the ground. And that was yeah. like a terrifying process in a way yeah. because you don't know what's coming next. You just know what you have is is kind of fool's gold in a way. Because right, if you right. if you live in a paradigm like we all do of like linear progress instead of like more cyclical seasonal life processes, mm. then it's like oh my god I've I've spent all this time getting to this point and now I have to destroy it all and then you can only think about what you're gonna you can only think about the fact that you're destroying not like what you're gonna end up creating again and it's like you know instead of looking at it like through maybe the lens of you know the phases of the moon you need to go into the darkness to then be back to the full moon and then on and on and on and on and yeah. we're more like just pointed we're arrows and so it's like you build this thing and then uh, I can't I, I've spent all this time and energy like it's sunk cost I can't you know I can't destroy it so yeah, yeah. I was wondering maybe if one thought that popped into my mind is when all this happens, when, you know, like a a relationship unravels, selling the house, you know, like kind of, you know, basically going back to to the foundation and and starting over in a lot of ways. um, At least that's how probably it feels or that can be a narrative that, that we say. I'm wondering is there like a lot of pain? Is there more fear? Like what, what are some of the emotions mm. that you feel at this point? And, and how does that inform your decision to, to go and hike and, and to also leave your job? I'm wondering if maybe the hike and the, the trail was a decision to like process some of the pain or was it yeah. like, okay, let's see what's happening once I do that. Like what was the thinking behind it? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say at the very beginning there, there was a tremendous amount of pain. Right. And, and there was also a tremendous amount of fear of yeah. like what was to come. But at least with my journey in embracing, you know, meditation and mindfulness, what that critical thing that that whole process taught me was the importance of letting go, right? And and letting go and being with things as they are. Mm-hmm. And I would say that through that practice, I... It was the first time in my life that I really, I, I was always a planner, right? Mm-hmm. And every single step in my life had to just sort of be planned out. And that was largely the reason why I was on the path that I was on. But th- this was the first time in my life that I can honestly say I I started like finding a lot of beauty in the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I was very much just being in the present and just excited for taking life one day at a time. And, um, you know, it's funny, like the first time we talked, I remember you, you asked me like, what is your vision for your, for yourself and your business? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't look past today. Like, it's like, and like almost to a fault. I'm like, yeah, I got to think about this. Don't I? Um, 
Well, if you're a recovering planner, I get I get why you're you're yeah. taking you you know you know you need a few years away from the addiction to be able to be, I don't know figure out a healthy way to engage with it. Walking in the wilderness is is a great way to to start to develop a relationship with the unknown too, right? Yeah, like absolutely. It's, yeah, it's yeah. taking once you don't know where you're going to be sleeping that night. You don't know what's going to happen the next day, and so I yep. bet that was quite an education in in that a different way of being. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, there's many examples when you're on that trail and it's just twisting and turning. Like, you don't know what's coming around the next corner, mm. right? It's like this being out in nature, out in the wild. It, like I said, it forces you to just be. I mean, you have no other choice but to just be there in the moment, right? And of course, like there's a lot of thoughts that pop into your head. I mean, I I cried every single day when I was hiking that trail, 127 mm. days straight. I cried at least once a day. And I'm, mm. you know, I yeah, I'm here. Like I, I'm a man. I got a beard. Like I'm not afraid to admit that. I mm. I am like totally okay with my feelings and, you know, they were – Often tears of what had been, um, you know, reflecting on the past and, you know, everything that I went through. And but they were also like tears of joy of like what was in that moment and and everything that was maybe coming um, next. Um, I wonder, do you feel like do you feel like you you reconnected with this emotional side on the trail or is that something you've always been in touch with? No, I I absolutely reconnected with it. I mean, I would say that one of the biggest things that contributed to the state I was in when my ex-wife and I were kind of going through that process of separating was that I I was always sweeping those feelings and emotions under the rug, mm-hmm. you know, and and never coming face to face with them. Um just not being honest with myself or the people that I loved. You sounds know, like, and sounds like there was a lot of processing to do yeah, out there. Yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things about walking in the wilderness is it's like I can almost make a parallel to meditation where it's like when you're meditating, you're being the observer, right? And you're kind of there's this spaciousness within that you you're you're kind of fostering or cultivating or yeah. experiencing. And there's that same spaciousness in the wilderness. Right. Like there's enough space here for all of our emotions. There's enough space for us to go through these things. And it's not going to react. It's just going to continue to be there. Mm. And and so there's a real beauty in that. I think it's very therapeutic. There really is. And and it's funny, you know, a lot of people, a lot of friends and, and family, when I finished the hike, they asked me, well, did did you meditate on the trail? And I was like, well, like. (laughs) Did I sit with my legs crossed and my hands on my knees? No, I didn't necessarily have to, to be honest with you. I mean, that trail was a walking meditation for me, you know, all all 5,305,130 steps that my Apple (laughs) health app showed me when I finished the thing. Um, it was, it was just a long walking meditation, just being with, uh, it's when you're out there, um, anywhere in, in nature, it's like the senses are just firing on all cylinders, you know, and, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a way for me, it was like 
holy shit, I don't know if I've ever lived like this or been, been like this or experienced like this, or it's been a long time at the very least, right? Like somebody's time back to childhood, but it's like everything comes alive in a way, like I just feel alive. Maybe it's not everything comes alive, it's that I come alive for, yeah. and, and that's how it, that's one of the wonderful things I think about walking in the wilderness. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear maybe like if you have a couple of, I don't know, stories that really uh, made an impression on you from that from that trail. Maybe like one or two particular stories that you you still think and you're still like attached to what happened that day. I'm sure every day was special, but I'm sure there was also like really particularly special days. Come on, he's not attached yeah, to any I, of his stories. He's a mindfulness I, teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I just let go of all of that. <laughs> I just have total amnesia. Um, <laughs> Um, oh i absolutely do and um i i actually love nothing more than sharing these stories (laughs) um i I think all my friends and my family are sick of hearing about the trail if i'm being honest (laughs) so uh maybe i won't be sending this to them to to listen to no i'm just i'm just kidding yeah so there's a couple things um one you know just kind of staying on this topic of like what nature can teach us so there was when people ask me, like, what was the most difficult part of the trail? I mean, other than taking my final steps, I mean, that's that's just um, that's a whole other ball game, in, in my opinion. Taking the final steps and knowing that the trail was done, um, that was that was pretty tough. But what I would say is, having to hike and spend the nights in the woods for seven straight days of just downpouring rain. That was probably the most mentally taxing experience, honestly, of my entire life. Mm. I mean, the discomfort that comes with just being completely like soaking wet all day. You have one, you don't even have a change of clothes. Like the clothes you're wearing are the clothes that you go to sleep in, the clothes that you wear the next day. Just being completely soaked, setting up my my tent each night, waking up to the rain, hitting the tent and having to just get out, pack it up, put it in the pack and just keep going, you know, and like putting those soaking wet, freezing cold clothes back on as soon as right when it touches the skin, it's like it sends chills up your spine. Um, Socks are soaked. The shoes are soaked. Where, Where I'm going with that is that the rain, um, in my opinion, can teach us a lot of lessons about life, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them is that we often spend a lot of time and energy worrying about the things that are outside of our control, right? And weather is probably the the best example of something that is outside of your control. So kind of looking at the rain through that lens over the course of those seven days, it helped me. For sure. It helped me to just kind of find a little bit of comfort in all of the discomfort that I was feeling during that Mm. time. And then also the fact that a lot of the problems that we come to face in our lives are temporary. Not a lot. All. All all the things that we come to face in our lives are just temporary. Yeah, even right? Like (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I, I kept on sort of reminding myself, you know what? Tomorrow the sun will come out. 
And if it doesn't, then the next day the sun will come out. And then I'll finally be able to take the socks off and hang them on a tree at the top of a mountain, let them dry and relax for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I would I would say that um, like using I, I love using that metaphor of the rain because I really think that it could it could teach us so much about life in general. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I love that too. And a similar lesson that the rains taught me, I think it's like pretty close here is, is like, I, you know, we spend so much time trying not to be wet, right? And, yeah. and, and then and then sometimes, especially when you're backpacking, it's like, well, pff, there's nothing you can do and you just get soaking wet and you just realize uh, it's not that bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. like go, being seven days in the rain, that would be miserable. Really that would be miserable. really tough. Yeah. But yeah. but. I don't know. It's just sometimes realizing that what we're fearing or what we're trying to avoid doesn't merit as much energy or, or kind of attention as as we we like to give it a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, there's there's a couple of things that came to mind when you were sharing your story around the whole like we spend so much time worrying about things that are out of our control. This this exact thing reminded me of uh, a spiritual teacher who's named Byron Katie. I don't know if you're familiar with her. And uh, I, I've really I've been loving what she does and I've been reading some of her books. And um, I think she has like a process of inquiry for her thoughts. It's called The Work, like capital T, capital W. And I think that's the, the website, thework.com. And she she says there are three kinds of business. There's your business. There's some, there's everyone else's business. And then there's God's business. Mm. Most of the time, <laughs> if you're unhappy, you can realize that you're in either God's business or someone else's business. And like, what better description of being in God's business than being like, oh, it should stop raining or yeah. I don't like this rain or I want the rain to stop. You know, it's really, yeah. it's a, it's a first kind of thing that popped into my mind. And the second one is a quote. I actually, I think I read yesterday. So it's very fitting. And it's Maya Angelou who says, Every storm runs out of rain. Mm. Mm -hmm. and oh, that's I just, great. That's I just it. so aligned with what you were sharing that I just had to share it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very, you know, this this idea of focusing on just what's within your control, when you really, really think about it, what is what is absolutely within your control is how you react and respond totally. to certain situations, right? Um, and and this whole idea, it's very like stoic philosophy, you know, like Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Epictetus, like that. that is what like stoicism is based on, is like focusing on what's within your control. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, it, it ultimately leads to living a happier, more fulfilling life. Yeah, yeah. Alistair yeah. is a big fan of stoicism. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'd love if there's another story like that, I'm all I'm all ears. Well, so so I so here's the big one. So another thing that the the trail did for me was it, it sort of restored my faith in humanity. Um because there are along the Appalachian Trail, I mean all the way Georgia to Maine, there are people that are known as trail angels. Okay. And these are people that they don't necessarily have a relation to somebody hiking the trail or anything like that. They are just people that go completely out of their way to perform random acts of kindness to help people along their journey. You know, they understand what the trail is like to hike it. Um, extremely difficult. They know the journey that you're on. So they're just going out of their way to help you in some way. 
And I was finding I the very first time I experienced Trail Angels was just on my fourth day in Georgia. Woke up, it was very, very cold, windy morning, and it had rained the day before that. So I was trying to warm up and trying to get my legs going and descended down into um, a gap where, where the trail crossed a road. And two minivans come down the road and they swoop into the parking lot. And I swear, I saw like angels falling from the sky. <laughs> and um, these people got out of the van. They popped the trunk. They started setting up tables and they had all like hot food, hot oh chocolate, coffee. And they're they're waving me over. And that was my first experience with Trail Angels. And I mean, like just just so kind and gracious. I mean, like I put my pack on the ground and I sat in one of their beach chairs, just like having some coffee and eating some good food. And then when I was getting ready to go, like the older gentleman that was one of the angels picks up my pack to put it on my back. And he was like, you don't have to bend over to pick that up. And I'm just like, wait, I, I could totally bend over to pick the pack up, but I really do appreciate it. Um, it is. It is one of the hardest things, and like especially when when your pack is full of food, and you like are so in the beginning, you you you're so still getting used to the met, the physical strain. Getting oh, yeah. down to pick up your pack is so hard. <laughs> I just feel like that's such a kind gesture to think about yeah. that detail. Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah. Totally, it's, it's a really um, radical experience too to go from go from being like what feels like totally alone, right, to yeah. being completely totally. supported. Yeah. 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 And that's, and I think that that's why the experience of trail angels had such a huge impact on me because, you know, the, the life I was living prior to then, like I, I often did feel like I was just alone. I was just trying to like navigate this life by myself and figure it all out. And yeah, like I went to hike the AT by myself, but I was never, hardly ever alone. Mm. I mean, these, I was, I was experiencing these trail angels, like I said, all the way from Georgia to Maine. There's a couple that are like really come to mind for me. They're they're like celebrity trail angels. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Um, but in Connecticut, I had I had a surprisingly very, very challenging day. Like Connecticut, for whatever reason, surprised me. I always thought like, oh, hiking in Connecticut, come on. Like, it's like walking <laughs> know, down the road. That's what comes to mind too, you but, know? Like, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, I mean, all the way from Georgia to, Georgia to Maine, the Appalachian Trail is like, no, you're going over every single mountain in the mm. area. So it did the same in Connecticut. So I remember putting in like a pretty good day. It was a 25-mile day, but my, my feet were just absolutely screaming and at the end of the day i had just hit the 1500 mile mark of the trail and it was something to to certainly celebrate but i was thinking you know what i i don't want to sleep in the woods tonight i need a bed i need to take a shower i need to get some food so there's a woman in salisbury connecticut her name's maria mccabe she's actually she's often referred to as the kindest woman on the appalachian trail and um, very like elderly woman that just opens up her guest room upstairs in her house every night of the hiking season to one hiker. Wow. And um, so I spent the night there. It was like spending a night at grandma's house. And she was like oh, super, super kind. And I remember leaving that day. And as I was as I got back on the trail, I started drawing smiley faces in the trail in just in the dirt in the middle of the trail. And 
what I realized is like, wow, like, like kindness is infectious, right? Like when someone's kind to you, like you want to be kind to somebody else. And like this, it spreads like wildflowers, you know? <laughs> um, so I was drawing these smiley faces in the trail, just thinking, you know what? I had a hard day yesterday. I know there's some other hikers behind me somewhere. Maybe if they see it in the trail, it'll just put a smile on their face. Oh, and like, man. and you know, like kindness is such a powerful thing. And it really can be as simple as that. Just, you know, smiling at somebody, saying hi to somebody, like making them feel like they're not completely alone on their journey. And yeah, um, I think it's there's there's a power in feeling like maybe noticed in, in yeah. some way, even if it's like someone drew a smiley face and I'm having a bad day and I can totally feel like the energy of that was drawn to brighten my my mood a little bit that was drawn for my benefit too and it's uh, i think there's mm. a lot of power in what you're saying of like realizing that we're not journeying alone i've had similar experiences traveling by myself not necessarily hiking but traveling by myself i felt like i can always count on someone and i feel yeah. like that's like such a powerful way to rewrite the the cultural narrative especially the one that struck me the most is like the vans that roll down and then that pull out all this food and wave you over it's like yeah. in most of the stories as kids we've been told do not go over to the people who give you food from their van like that's yeah. that's super dangerous and i think yeah. this is so powerful to to say to to really it's almost an act of resistance of saying like no i actually believe in the kindness of other people yeah. And by believing in it, it also shows up more and more. And, and it yeah. shocks you awake. I actually have a good story on this one from Romania. Go for when it. I was, when I was walking through the mountains in Romania. And this is still pretty early days for my backpacking. Uh, so I, I I don't even think I had a rice cooker or like, or like a stove or anything. I think I was just mm. like taking nuts and apples and trying to make it work for like three <laughs> days. And I came out of the, mount, the Carpathian Mountains in like northern Romania after three days of kind of patching together trails that really I don't think were meant to be hiked the way I was trying to hike them. And <laughs> I came out on a road and I had camped the night before next to a river on this highway that was trashed, just trash everywhere. Mm. And I, I was actually a little scared to camp there because it was clear that like it was inhabited sometimes. Mm, and I was like, yeah. uh, I didn't have a great night sleeping and I was sick. I was tired. I was out of food, out of water. And, uh, and I'm on the road trying to hitchhike because uh, I'm just giving up at this point and I'm going to hitchhike in the town. And a guy, uh, bl like a nice, sweet, but like black Mercedes stops. And and there's a guy in it with like a, a baseball cap, like the flat cap, you know, like where you're like, yeah. he kind of looks thuggish, you know? <laughs> okay. And he's like, and he's, he, he's probably like early 30s, late 20s. He's like, he's buff, you know, he's like, well, trained. I'm like, hmm. I don't know about this. <laughs> and he 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 picks me up and he asks me where I'm going. I'm like, oh, I'm trying I'm trying to get to the train station. And he picks me up. He takes me into town. He takes me to his favorite uh, restaurant and orders for me uh, his favorite chicken soup and pays wow. for it. Doesn't even allow me to pay for it. And then after that, like we sit there and I eat it. And And then after that, he takes me to the train station, buys me a ticket to where I'm going, will not let me pay for that. And as I'm waiting for the train, he goes and picks up two bottles, massive bottles of water and comes back with them and gives them to me and gives me a hug and puts me on the yeah. train. Oh. And I was just like, 
What? Yeah. And he was just so happy to like introduce me to Romania and to take care of me. And it was just like wow. exactly what I needed. And I, I, I don't know, it's so disarming. It just changes your whole perspective of the world. And it was such an education. And I don't know, like, why did this guy do that? And then I had to ask myself, I wouldn't do that, you mm. know? And like, yeah, you know, it just really turned me around. It was incredible. It was such an amazing yeah. experience. Yeah. So there's yeah. trail angels everywhere. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I th- I think that's the that's the point, right? And and it it doesn't necessarily just have to be on a trail, you know, like and that that's why I so I I do school assemblies for kids mm. from pre-K all the way in, into high school. So the three messages that I that I structure the program around is be courageous, be grateful, be kind. And when we get to being kind, this is when I share all the stories about trail angels. And I encourage them to be a trail angel for somebody in your life. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, it it's like I said, kindness, being kind doesn't have to be overly complicated. And um the most beautiful thing about being kind is that by being kind to other people, you are in essence being kind to yourself. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's such a good so, reminder. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I really like that. You mentioned the last day, the taking the last few steps, and I can barely, I can only barely begin to imagine how that must feel like. And, and I think the way I'm imagining it is imagining the best book I've ever read and getting to the end of the book, but times a thousand. Am I even close to how that felt? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, it's funny. As soon as you just started bringing, bringing that up, I was like, wait, am I going to cry here? <laughs> when I, when I think I about that moment. There's space I cry on this podcast a lot. We should, this is a good yeah, space. Yeah, you know, it's... <laughs> yes, I think um, maybe on a much smaller scale although i will say you know that these moments are all relative right like if you are if you are a big time reader and that is you know getting to the end of a really good book like i you might feel exactly like i felt <laughs> at the top of that mountain i i have no idea but man that moment was um extremely special but like i said earlier in in this conversation there was just this really deep feeling that it was the end of the trail but the journey was just sort of just getting started yeah <laughs> you know there's a, there um, is a beautiful picture of you on that on that day on your website that i just want to encourage people we'll mention your website and it will be on the yeah. show notes as well i just want people to go see that so, picture Let's let's use the word beautiful very loosely there because my beard my beard was really intense. Further sideways than down. It was amazing. Yes. So it's funny you bring that up because when when I do the um, the school assemblies for the kids, I have this really great slide uh, PowerPoint slide where it's that photo, you know, and and I and uh, this is right in the beginning. I'm just talking about I introduce them to this trail, this really long trail trail and we're kind of going through these reasons like what well why in the world would we ever want to do this and you know there's the reasons like be how being out in nature is one of the healthiest things we could do for the mind body and soul it's it's a chance to really connect with yourself and the world around you and then i get to that slide and i show that picture and i say and there's one one more reason and it's really 
to just grow a really big beard. And like, that's, that's obviously a reason why we would want to do this. And then on a click, Alvin, the chipmunk covers my face and all the kids just lose it. They start cracking up and I just keep clicking back and forth. And I'm like, you guys see the resemblance, right? Like it was like Alvin, the chipmunk standing at the top of that mountain. And they they absolutely love it but it's true like for whatever reason my beard didn't grow like a normal beard like it didn't grow down it grew out away from my face and when i was climbing that mountain when i first got above the tree line it was blue skies it was an absolutely beautiful day mm. and i was i thought to myself what a what an incredible day to summit this mountain mm. and i was just so excited and when I was about maybe 400 yards from the summit of that mountain, these clouds rolled in mm. and it was, I could hardly see the sign when I was 15 feet away from it. I mean, it was completely socked in. So in that photo, you actually see my beard's blowing in the wind a little bit. Like, it's just like, it's kind of going in all directions. It looks like you might've like walked through a bush and just taken the bush with you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's like a couple like like bird Acorns. heads like peeking out like they're nested in there uh, it was absolutely uh, glorious absolutely glorious yeah. um the uh my my friend who took that photo like i i mean i have to give him credit for just capturing the emotion when i like you know like getting to that sign i i thought about it the night before when I was like camping at the bottom of that mountain, I was like, what, what am I going to do when I get to that sign? You know, because like, like it's just, it's this moment, like, how do I celebrate it? And when I first got to the sign, I, I just laid on it <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just pressed my forehead on it. My hat kind of pushed back and I, I just gave the sign a kiss and it's, probably a lot of other hikers have kissed the same spot so but sure. like i mean i was i was pretty i was pretty gross at that point i didn't really i didn't i just didn't care i was just in the woods for 4 months and 3 days but um gave the sign a kiss and when i worked my way around to the back where you're able to stand on this like wooden slab and i stood on it and there was there was just this incredible energy that like fired from my feet up and i my arm like just shot up to the sky and I screamed so loud. Like, I honestly don't, I don't recall ever screaming that loud mm. in my entire life. And my friend that was standing there just captured the moment. My mouth is open. The beard is flapping in the wind. <laughs> and I had my arm held up to the sky. It was, it was a, it was a very powerful, special moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I, I will. I stand by my use of beautiful. It was. It's a beautiful picture. I stand by it. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. I do. I do. So I'm curious because I think for someone listening, this story can sound like magical, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so divorce, uh, life falls apart a little bit. You go, you do these four months on the trail, you're in the trail. And how do you end up going in such a different direction like wh what happens from there and do you feel like the the trail really fueled that or or how did you know you, you mentioned earlier it's like the beginning of your journey and i wonder if you could speak a little bit to that and maybe demystify it a little bit about yeah what happens well next. it's 
it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the trail angels before, because I would say if like there was one thing that had, you know, the biggest impact on me, it was, it was just that it was these people that were going out of their way to help other people along their journey. So I sort of like, you know, finishing that trail and, you know, pursuing my my life coaching certification and and studying mindfulness and things like that and creating this new business for myself where I'm in essence helping other people in their life journey. Like it was just sort of this commitment that I made to myself. You know what? I'm going to be a trail angel off the trail. Mm. That's what I'm doing. That should be on your story. That should be on your about page. I, I yeah, that that actually came out really cool. Like I don't think I've ever actually like. <laughs> I feel like I was like, well, that's exactly what he's doing. That that sums it up really well. Yeah. Here's where here's where my head goes. Then I do have to at least define trail angels somewhere in the story, and sure, I, sure. it's yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it that becomes and, complicated. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I I would say that like that, like the trail angels, like never feeling like I was on that trail alone, never kind of navigating that journey alone and figuring it all out myself had a really, really big impact on me. It's just a commitment that I wanted to make to myself and other people. I want to be able to help other people. You know, my my journey is absolutely unique, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't ever... Um, try to encourage people to, hey, leave your job, go hike the AT. It's cool. Your life will be like just grand. It's that is just the the journey I chose, right? Mm. And and everybody is on their own unique journey. But what I do know is that there are many, many people that feel stuck in their lives for you know a a number of different reasons. You you might be stuck in a job or a career that you don't have any passion for. You might feel stuck in your relationships, right? Like really like looking to find ways to connect more with the people that you really do love and spend your time with. And you know, you might just feel stuck feeling a sense of unhappiness or a lack of joy in your life and just looking for something. And that's sort of like where I, I come in and, and try to help people is, is help you get unstuck. And really, the a lot of the things that we've talked about throughout this conversation is so foundational to the work that I do with my clients. It's very uh, mindfulness-based. It's, you know, like the if I were to sort of sum up the process, it's slow down, right, um, to create some space to turn your awareness inwards. Know yourself. Get to know yourself right? Your, your values. What are your values? What's most important to you? And then there's this element of let go of what doesn't serve you and what doesn't align with those values mm. to create room in your life for what you actually do want, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? I definitely resonate a lot with uh, your trail angel story or that being some of the motivation because uh, our friendship has, has been short. But I think hmm. we, we just have gotten to know each other recently. And I think one thing that's really struck out to me about you um, from the beginning is that that kindness. Um, mm. you, you definitely embody the same, that, that same kind of kindness and, and compassion. And it's something that I'm, I've been impressed by with you. And, uh, and I can see how as a coach and working with someone, 
um, you you would be a great asset for for that reason alone. Uh, I think you bring a lot of attention and and love. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I actually I was, so I was gonna say I felt the, I felt the same way when. I was not on the call with you and I was sitting at the next desk yeah, and I didn't yeah. even really hear what you were saying, but I just kind of heard the um, the um of the conversation. I was like, this guy feels like his energy feels so kind and gentle <laughs> and I haven't even talked to him. And when Alistair was like, we should have him on the podcast, so I was like, yes. <laughs> it's like you should go over on his website. I was like, yeah, but yes, well, I'll look at his website. But we are having him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So it well, just and, oozes and, out of you. Yeah, well, and it sort of does go back to the point I made before about uh, like how powerful kindness really can be, and the fact that it isn't. Yes, it's being kind to others, but when you are kind to others, you're being kind to yourself. And what I what what I found, you know, through my journey is that I do think that generally there is this severe lack of self-care in so many people's lives, right? And yeah. you know, I I talk about getting to know yourself, you know, through understanding your core values like take care of yourself, but that's the first step, right? Like to take care of yourself, you have to first know yourself, mm, right? right? And and in order to know yourself, you you need to slow down. You need to you need to take that foot off the gas. You need to slow down and create that space to to really tune into yourself, who you are and and where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I think those are both steps to that that third maybe being a trial angel, right? Because when we're giving from places, if we don't know ourselves, and often we're giving in a non-giving way, you know what I mean? We're giving, but there's expectations, or it's not totally a gift. And I, I actually heard um, Anna Levin say this. She's a writer and an editor, um, and uh, I really love the way she writes. And I think she actually said this on a workshop of hers. And she was talking about how self-care is so important because we can't dip into our own energy reserves. It's really like the excess energy we create by being kind to ourselves first, by knowing ourselves, we're then able to create a lot of extra energy, like energy that just kind of, it kind of overflows. There's more than enough. And that's where I think the sense of abundance comes. And that is actually what we give from. And I think that was a really powerful way for me to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, let's face it, that energy is the reason why we're here, right? It's the reason why we've connected. We've even connected in the first place. And, yeah. you know, like we, like we talked for the first time just a few weeks ago. Here we are recording a podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, so, yeah. I would love for you to, you mentioned the kids assembly and, and the coaching, and I would just kind of love to hear you tell us where your energy is at right now. What's like feeling alive for you on the work front, on the whatever you want to share, but just like ending on where you're at right now and giving us a little snapshot of that. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I sort of break my audiences into adults and kids, right? <laughs> um, so for adults, I, I offer private coaching. And like I said, I mean, my, my coaching is very mindfulness-based. It's really built on the principles of, of mindfulness and also positive psychology. So I offer private coaching with, uh, 
with adults, but I've really been working towards coming up with some solutions where I can reach more people because, you know, private one-on-one coaching, you're helping one person. And I'm like, I, I can be sharing this and helping a lot more people. Yeah. You know, so as much as I do love working one on one with people and helping them throughout their journey, it's extremely gratifying. I am in the process right now of of creating a my first signature online e-course, which will, you know, anybody can stumble upon it and click add to cart and start taking my course. Um, It's being created as a self-guided, self-paced course. So people could just kind of take it at their own pace and and work through some things. Um, It does break down into three core modules. And that's very much what we've been talking about, mindfulness, core values, and letting go. And right now, at least the tentative title is a mindful approach to getting unstuck. Mm. Yeah, which I, I, again, I think a lot of people need, right? Like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different reasons why people are feeling stuck in their lives. So that's something I'm working on right now and we'll be launching in March and it will be on my website, www.ryanbenz.life. It's R-Y-A-N-B-E-N-Z. We'll have the link also in the show notes at thefaropodcast.com. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And it's dot life. You know, I know that 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 like throws so many people off. I'm not a dot com guy. I'm not somebody else. Ryan, there's a RyanBenz.com. I don't I don't know. Who's who that is. guy? Come on. I don't know. Oh, I man. don't know. But if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Let go of that domain name right now. <laughs> I do like Ryan Ben's uh, life. It's uh, it's it's very. I, I like it. I like yeah, it. yeah, it's it's fun. It's different. Um, and and also, so for kids, I, I I have so this school year alone, I've gone in and I've done eight different assemblies. So I think I mentioned earlier what it's about. The name of the program is a trail guide to a mindful you. Um, be courageous, be grateful, be kind. Mm. And what I'm doing with these kids is, I mean, they obviously are, you know, they're very much into the trail and, you know, like, like going through that journey of hiking this really long trail. So I, I sort of set it up where I'm taking the kids along the journey and we're going from Georgia to Maine and they're seeing all photos and there's like, how many animals did I see? How many bears, rattlesnakes, wild ponies, all the fun things for kids. <laughs> do you also do, do um, the accents? Are you able to do the different accents of all the, the states that you went through? <laughs> No, that is a really good idea, though. I am going to work on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's I can listen to the different the subtle differences between like Connecticut and Maine. But I feel like between Georgia and Maine, there's already a big difference. So anyway. Oh, huge difference there. Yeah, big difference there. Um, what a great idea. Thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> always looking to improve these things. Yeah. Always. Um but yeah, so it's it's very much taking them through a journey and talking to them about like why being outside and out in nature is so healthy for us, but then also, you know, the mindfulness parts. And that's where like the idea of like being courageous, be gr- being grateful and being kind comes in. Um, you know, we talk about we talk about like the very simple like basic form of mindfulness of just breathing, but these other things are more, you know, attitudes that support more mindful living. So, yeah, so that's how I'm sort of getting through uh, to kids right now. I I, I really have been kind of playing around with the idea of making it a much bigger 
deal, bigger yeah. program for them. Just for the time being, it's it's an assembly. <laughs> yeah, you, you um, actually you shared with us some of that like kind of passion and energy when when we talked last time, and I really loved it. I actually just pulled up like the the thing you wrote, like I'm on a mission to start a movement among our youth, a movement to disconnect, to reconnect, to stop nature deficit disorder right in its tracks, and to encourage a more mindful way of nav- navigating the journey of life. I just yeah. I love that. I think this is yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's it it feels very special and it and to me it it just feels so relevant, right? For, you know, if there's one or two kids in the audience every time I talk about this stuff that really learns something from it and takes it and becomes just aware of it and makes some changes to their life, it, it could really it could just have such a huge impact on the trajectory of their entire life to come, yeah. you know? Yeah, planting so, seeds. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, Are there any aspirations to do another through-hike? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I want, I want to do them all. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. I, I did have, I had my permit to do the PCT the following year in the spring of 2018. But to be honest, I was, I was still waking up in March with really sore knees from the AT. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just, I just decided, you know what, maybe this year isn't my year and I need to listen to my body. There's no sense in forcing it. So I, I didn't do it. But yeah, I think uh, somewhere in my future, there are more through hikes. You know, I've thought about the the Colorado Trail. It's that's much shorter. It's a, around 500 miles from Denver to Durango or Durango to Denver, whichever way you want to go. Thought about that. Obviously, the PCT, the there's the Continental Divide Trail. Um, yeah. You know, there's the Camino de Santiago over in Spain. There's yeah. there's yeah, some really long there, trails you see in New trails Zealand. Trails all over the world. You know, yeah, like, oh. yeah. So, um, yeah, at some point, like I, I, I could see myself getting back out there and doing a through hike at some point. But, like I said, um, I right now am just loving life, no matter what I'm doing. Mm. So it is. It, it feels. It just feels really special, and. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, one know? step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. One mindful step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Well, I feel like we we could talk. I'm I'm honestly like stopping myself because I know we could talk. Like I have like <laughs> about 10 more questions that I would want to ask, but maybe that will be for another time. I feel like we've uh, we've covered some good ground today. And I just want to really, really thank you for being on, on the show with us. I think well, people I, will really I, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm I'm deeply grateful and for even having met you guys yeah. um, a few weeks ago. This is <laughs> really awesome. Um, I'm excited to continue our relationship. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thank you, Ryan. It's been it's been a pleasure. It really has. Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. And thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. And thank you, a big, big thank you to Ryan for being on this on this episode today. Muchas gracias. <laughs> no, we had a blast. It was it was great to interview Ryan. It, I feel like I learned so much about him. And man, what a kind person! It just yeah. like if it, it just flows out of him. It's mm-hmm. really powerful. 
So definitely recommend if you're interested, go check out his one-on-one coaching program called The Path at ryanbenz.life. Mm-hmm. And he's also got an e-course up, uh, which is a bit more accessible to everybody. And uh, I know he's really excited about that. And if you have kids in school and stuff and you want him to come and do an assembly, we have heard really, 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 really good things about his assemblies. So You can tell Ryan is a kid's guy. Oh, my God. I'm, I would love to have had him come to my school. Yeah. Like, you can just tell that it's like a fun afternoon of, of discovering really amazing things so yeah that's that's exciting you can go to the show notes of the far out podcast for his links and it's also ryanbands.life all right so let's wrap this thing up let's wrap it up so three ways you can support this podcast three ways you should know them by now what is the first one the first one don't you dare tune out don't you dare (laughs) tune out I see you you're about to press stop we're not done yet the first one (laughs) let's go with the, the biggest one first if you'd like to support this podcast financially it's a huge help, and you can do it at a very low level. Mm-hmm. $3 a month is the lowest level. There's all sorts of goodies. We just did one on communication breakdown in relationships. Yeah. Um, so you can get all those for just $3 a month, three buckaroos. That's all we're asking, just three, just three, just one, Okay, two, yeah, <laughs> patreon.com slash the far out couple. Head on over, and uh, please consider supporting us. <laughs> all right. Number two is you can share this conversation with a friend. Please, that's, that's always like, that's actually probably one of the biggest things you can do for us because that is how it helps the podcast reach more people and uh and it's how to help to have these the whole point of this is to spread conversations that we think are important or meaningful and so you doing that accomplishes that so kind of that's the mission here and the third one that's like similar we need your help to be put in front of more people and also because it really strokes our ego when you leave a review yeah yeah. Leave us a review pretty on please. iTunes. Pretty please review iTunes. It's pretty free. Please. It's, it's free. free. It just takes a few moments. Just right. And then we'll read it on the podcast. Yeah. Isn't and we'll that gosh amazing? about how great you are <laughs> and uh, how much we love you and all that stuff. Yes. So. All right. Doodles. Doodles. Doodles.